Victorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm back, bitches. I am back. I'm back from vacation. I'm all energized. I'm post-Triple Crown, gearing up for Saratoga and Del Mar. Who am I? I'm Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oaklawn, here to just chop it up with me. I've got, uh, I guess, SGPN's uh, a resident uh, Australophile, uh, Mr. Pick Dundee. Colby Dant in the house. Colby, what's up, man? Good eye, Mike. No, I'm joking. Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, so you're on vacation, and you want me to believe that you were you were just sitting on a beach, but not playing the ponies? No, no, I was not. Uh, you, I, so the ADW apps I used to use, like they had a geolocation thing. I was like, okay, if you're in this state, you can't bet on horses. And there used to be a loophole, which is if you just logged in through the mobile site you could get around the whole geolocation thing and they got too smart for uh for me and they they've closed that loophole and i I, it was mark twain who led me to believe that everything that happens in mississippi happens 50 years later than everywhere else so this happening to me while i was in mississippi was just like a goddamn mississippi's come up kind of kind of feeling I, I still got a feeling you're holding out from us i got a feeling like i know you were with with your wife and, and i think you, you told me it was your your parents that were with mm-hmm. you family vacation with with your with your kids mm-hmm. you're on the beach i just picture you being like honey i'm gonna order us a pizza and you go uh, to the payphone, right you go yeah. to the payphone and you call uh you know i don't know some guy with the crazy name like yeah, Sil- uh, silky rick yeah, yeah, and he's just waiting there outside of uh, you know some some track that you know, and saying, "All right, look." Uh, and then your wife walks by, and you're like, "Yeah, d- d- pepperoni pizza, pepperoni, yeah, pepperoni, d- yeah, but uh, garlic crust, garlic crust." Yeah, uh, <laughs> lover, did you want the garlic knots? <laughs> She's gone. Um, yeah, no, that's I. I did it. I took I took a a break. It, it was the first actual like long break from from horse racing, horse betting that I that I've taken in a while. Usually, a long break for me is like you know three days while like the while Parks is running. You know, at the early beginning of the week because I have not played Parks since the last time I lied to all my friends and told them I do not play Parks. All right, so Colby, you're on the notorious OTB. You you grew up, you know, East Coast kid. For some reason, I pre you know I picture you a little bit of a knucklehead also for some reason dressed like a newsie uh but you're also you're all you're also knocking around on the west coast so you've been on the east coast you've been on the west coast the show is called the notorious otb uh so here's the question that i ask it's a toss-up between these two who do you pick 
Salt or pepper? Ladies and gentlemen, salt and pepper. Pepper all day. Yeah, that's the way to go. Unless you throw throw like suspenderella in there, I think. <laughs> yeah, then it gets a little then it gets a little tricky. Uh, yeah, I'm pepper all day, man. Yeah. I think it's that, that that's that's kind of like asking me the top ninja turtle. You know what I mean? Wait, who is your top ninja turtle? I'm Leonardo. Leonardo, buddy. He ran Raphael's the show. Close. Raphael's close, but Leonardo's there. Raphael's close because uh, he was the first person to say damn in any of the programming or any of the movies that were made for me as a child. He got like three good dams in. I was like, oh, he's a rebel. And I'm, I'm, I'm anti, uh, anti Michelangelo. You know what I mean? Everyone yeah. loves him. I kind of thought he was a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. He really has a, just like kind of a, I don't know. He thinks far too highly of himself is what I'm going to say of Michelangelo. That's kind of how I feel. He's I bet the, even he probably pronounces it Michelangelo at this point, like a douchebag. He's the scrappy do of uh, of uh, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, scrappy yeah. do always kind of ruin the mysteries. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So many of you might be asking, why do I have the beautiful Colby Dant with me in the show? Uh, this is the I due to some requests. I've I've, I've talked to people uh, that are they're like, hey, you know, we like the show, we like the notorious OTB, and thank you for listening. By the way, that's uh, you know, that gets me right here. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm 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 uh, pounding my fist and my feels in my chest. Uh, and they kind of ask, can we get some more kind of uh, you know, basic kind of handicapping, you know, theories and principles behind it, some some basics behind the the betting and everything. And so I, I've come up with this series that I've titled. The Miseducation of Colby Dant, um, where I am going to attempt to take this basic bitch football handicapper and turn him into a horse player. Colby, how do you feel about getting great expectations? Oh, I mean, first off, I love the fact that, that you know, if the fans, shout out to the fans that were reaching out, and then you said, I need to think, I, I need to find somebody who's very basic, who's not very educated, that we could just break in and boom, he thinks yeah. a pick on D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No CTE here. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, you know, uh you you seem you seem into it. Uh and I feel like if I teach if I teach a man to handicap, he eats for life, as opposed to me just giving a man a pick and him eating, well, maybe for a life because my picks are that good, but you know, you know where you saw where I was going with it. Whole how thing. to fish, man. How to survive out there on those on those uh, those horse racing streets, man. Yeah, man. It's cold out here. Uh, so, I mean, let's let's establish a baseline. Uh, horse racing. You're familiar with it, correct? I am actually like I. This is a little bit uh, embarrassing to say because my family. I mean, my uncle was a bookie. Rest in peace. Look, he died of natural causes, but I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, and then, uh, and my dad, big horse racing guy. My even my aunts, my my grandfather, big horse racing guy. My oldest brother, um, before he had a ton of children, he would he would be a daily better. Um, so, I mean, he had, you know, back in the 90s, I can remember having direct TV just for that reason, because they had, <laughs> had the channel where you could right. uh, you could you could watch all your bets. So I, I, I more so I'm the youngest in my family. But so I didn't get as into it as as them. But I definitely spent uh, a good amount of time as a youth. I'm talking I can remember times three, four five years old. Yeah, uh, where where I was at, you know, certain racetracks all across, you know, Maryland, West Virginia, um, 
those areas. But it, it, I felt like, you know, I watched the movie Uncle Buck and there's a scene where he almost takes two kids to the race, the, the racetrack to bet on yeah. horses. Yeah. And they frown upon it. And I'm like, wait, my dad did that. He, he didn't have that epiphany. Right. In the middle of saying, no, I'm not going to take these children to the racetrack. No, I was at the racetrack. I was enjoying it. But uh, yeah, I, I just never. I never got all the way in like they did uh, on that stuff. So, I mean, I, I've been to the, the races, but I, I don't have any real knowledge, you know? He didn't He didn't call up Silky Rick. He didn't page Silky Rick and say, hey, I got, a, I got a hot one at Louisiana Downs. No, he threw Colby in the car. He took him to West Virginia to Chucktown to the bull ring where, I mean, I don't know if it gets more gritty. Well, it does get more gritty than, than Chucktown. I like Chucktown because uh, Chucktown will always loves me back it seems i don't know what it is about that track but uh my other favorite of chucktown is uh i, uh, I guess you know, since you're not paramutual in sports betting you don't really have this do you know what a bridge jumper is i don't i don't probably i mean i i thought about it, i could probably form some stupid opinion on this but uh no talk to me about a bridge jumper a, a bridge jumper is someone who puts just a ridiculously huge bet on a horse to show and it's called a bridge jumper because if the horse doesn't show, you want to go and jump off the closest bridge immediately. And there is some dude at Chucktown who, like, there might be like a thousand dollars in the show pool, and then all of a sudden he'll drop like ten grand into it. And it's because they're guaranteed to get if you bet two, you're guaranteed to get two twenty back, and so he can get ten percent back on his ten thousand dollar bet. I, I mean, I'm sure he's doing it on a computer. I just imagine this happening with just a Louis Vuitton duffel full full of the blue sticky money. That's incredible. I mean, first off, uh, that high chance that that's someone in my family. But um, uh, I got to tell you this one, man. I got to walk you on, on this one. My dad was a Washington, D.C. cop for like 25 years, right? Right. He had a moment where he gave, so I guess there was some type of dispute happening he gives a guy a ride right while he's giving him a ride uh so he picks up like a guy uh, on the middle of the freeway or something and while he's giving him a ride he finds out he works at i believe this was laurel racetrack and uh he said you know uh how about thank you for giving me this ride i'm going to give you a tip because i work with these horses every day Mm -hmm. this horse is going to win tomorrow so my dad being just Hell of a good guy calls all of his brothers and says, guys, we're making we're going to the track tomorrow. We're going to put in a bunch of money and he's going to confirm in the patty. So everything goes as smooth. I mean, I got other uh, uncles that were that were borrowing money, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> that's getting as, that's the best as much right as possible to put on this horse. And damn, if he didn't show up and last. Damn if he did. And, and my other, my, so my uncle, my dad's other brother, who was the bookie, uh, my dad had to walk him off, not, not, uh, not giving him some, uh, some bruises, but he, he, pretty classic situation there where they get everybody, they got a ton of money. And I'm sure my mom had him sleeping on the couch for a little bit there. Okay. Well, see, this is a perfect transition because what are we doing? We're teaching you how to handicap. You don't have to take some just, ride needing drunkard's opinion of who's going to win a race. You're going to, I'm going to teach you to figure it out your goddamn self. That's what we're going to do. Uh, this is, so this is my, my first lesson. Um, forgive me. I'm a little bit nervous. You know, this is my first like time in a teaching environment. Um, I do. I mean, based on the amount of pornography I've watched, I know this could take a very sexy turn. 
I'm hoping it doesn't though. So let's talk about just the most basics of handicapping. So this is something that I'm throwing on as just a, before we get into the meat of it and it's learn how to read the racing form. That is the most important thing you can do. If you're starting out is whatever product you use, if it's the daily racing form, if it's Brisnet, if it's uh time form us, if it's what a, in, any other, you know, past performance, there will be resources from those companies that tell you what everything on that sheet means. And it can be overwhelming. There can be about a thousand data points on each one of those sheets between different speed figures and times and, you know, different, uh, you know, medications, the addition of blinkers, knowing how to read the form, understanding what these fucking hieroglyphics mean and where to find all these symbols is the most important thing. Uh, if I were going to recommend a book, if you're a daily racing form user, uh, Andy Byers, uh, picking winners. That's another, uh, he wrote for the uh, Washington post for a really long time. He's also the father of the, the buyer speed figure, but I mean, you know, starting out easy, you know, Colby, that makes sense. Right. Learn how to how, learn how to read the resource. As a guy that was at Del Mar in the past year, uh, with some buddies, I mean, I needed I needed some guidance because I felt like, you know, I, I, I yeah, it was hard to find the, the actual race. You know what I mean? That was going on. It was this thing was a novel. It was like, you know, I was reading Stephen King's The Stand up in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's no one wants to do that. Let's just let's be frank. No one wants to read The Stand. Uh, and yeah, I mean, some of these some of these programs can be up to like 100 pages, you know, with with five horses on each page. You have to understand the data and the way that it's coming to you. Once you got that, we're going to start getting into the really more kind of like heady concepts here. When I say heady, I mean basic pitch concepts that I'm going to give you today. All right. Colby, if you had to guess, if you were to just throw out three qualities that a racehorse needs to win a race, what would you think they were? Three qualities. I would say the jockey or the trainer would be would be. I, I think those are two of the three, right? Um, is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Okay, I'm giving. I'm poking some fun here, but here's the deal. Uh. Go even more base level than that. The way that I handicap is I believe all three horses need these three things to be able to win a race. One, you, you got to be racing against the right competition. Two, the horse has to actually be physically fit enough to compete in the, the race and win. And the third is the horse just has to be fast enough. You can have a, a classy horse that's been worked out really well, but if it's slow as hell, it ain't going to win. So. Every time I look through the racing form, what I do is I evaluate every single horse for these three things. And those are class, which is the right competition, workouts, making sure they're fit, and man, the speed. Got to make sure they're fast. So that that's kind of, I mean, that makes sense, right? It, I, if you had a football team that was playing, say, uh, say we took, uh, I don't know, not Jackson State. That's a bad example. I don't know. Pick me a, pick me a terrible Division three program. Well, let's go with like Savannah State or something. Yeah, yeah. So if we picked Savannah State and lined them up against uh, Ohio State, you would say that they're a little bit out of their class, right? They're a little bit out of their out of their depth. Yeah, that's yeah. 
that that's kind of the idea you know behind behind class is you you have to figure out uh are these horses racing against the the right competition um unlike the cfp unlike college you know college football committees you take a little bit of the guesswork out of it because there's a monetary value for most of these races uh because they're claiming races where every horse is for sale and so every horse is for sale and it's in there for the claiming price this is the price that the horse is for sale and so you know it kind of makes it easy when you look at, at claimers specifically because you can see them saying okay the horse did well let's bump it up in class to where we can sell it for another ten thousand dollars or that horse didn't run a step let's bump it down in class for ten thousand dollars and see if we can either get a win or sell the horse uh above all just don't forget that horse racing these these are commodities this is a business uh it's it's almost like you're tra- trading uh you know pork belly futures and it and it has that there in the form yeah uh in the each race they'll go ahead they will tell you what kind of race it is is this a claiming race is this an allowance race is this a maiden race so i use claiming as a example and the reason being that it has that really easy to recognize sort of okay monetary increment but there are other sorts of like movements between class so for example uh let's think of horse racing as a whole as like the minor league baseball system uh you have like single a ball which would be like your maiden races horses that have never won a race before uh say that you you know they do well in single a they get the call up to double a little rock and you know in the angels you know organization uh those are kind of like your claiming races where uh the horses are, are now for sale they're racing against other winners uh past that if a horse does well enough claiming another move is to say like uh, an allowance race where they take the price tag off of the horse. And now you can start to kind of judge it by the size of the purse of the race as to how classy it is. Uh, so say a horse ran for $92,000 purse, didn't run well. They bump it down to a $75,000 allowance race, that, that sort of thing. Uh, past that double a, you go into uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and call uh you know, uh, just regular stakes races. But, you know, some people call them uh, black type races. Uh, th- that's like AAA. You're you're almost you're almost at the bigs. You're not quite there. Uh, I mean, it has a name. It's a stakes race, but it's not like it's the Kentucky Derby or a Breeders' Cup race or anything, which would be like your big leagues. That's kind of the way that that you can kind of stratify all these things. And of course, there are all sorts of different conditions that can kind of you know, make things kind of weird. Like uh, sometimes only state bred horses can race against other state bred horses. So you have, you know, that can be a change in class going from state bred to open. So what do you think about class? And what do you think about this class so far? Uh, you kind of have that glazed over look that I used to get whenever I was really high in philosophy class. <laughs> no, you're already making a ton of sense to me. And, and I mean, this is something that once again, I was kind of completely in the dark. I figured there was some type of, system for the pricing i mean i just didn't ever dive into it and sure. you're making you're making sense with that what about this though so like so you still though wouldn't list uh a a jockey perhaps or a trainer because i remember my father always telling me i think the guy's name was like edgar prado or something yeah. like that and he's oh, like yeah. hey uh i like whatever this guy does so uh, you know a lot of times he would always be betting on edgar prado i feel like but but that was kind of his thing. I mean, what about and, and does it make a difference if it's it on grass, if it's on dirt? I mean, what, am I getting ahead of myself? You're, yeah. So you're getting you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. So kind of what I'm laying out with like the the class, the workouts, and the speed is just like a 
basically, this is how we're going to trim the entire field. It's a, just a quick robotic way of these are the three check boxes. So these are the, the horses that I'm going to consider if they check all these boxes. And so from there is when you get into uh, what's going to be in the, the later episodes, if I can uh, not, you know, if I can convince you not to go to the bursar and, and drop this class uh, after, after the show, uh, is you get into the more uh, fine-tuned concepts of handicapping, like your pace, uh, things like your uh, jockey and trainer uh, statistics, their, their statistics together. And I guess what I'm trying to mostly trying to impart is if the horse is racing against the right competition, if they're in shape and if they're fast enough, any horse can have a chance. It can be your long shots. It can be your, it can be your, you know, your, your shorter prices. And sometimes what happens is people will get so caught up on seeing the, these percentages and they'll say, well, this trainer wins 30% of the time. Like this other horse who has all these boxes checked only wins like 2% of the time. Well, don't talk yourself up to 2% trainer. Cause you know what? They do win sometimes. And when you're right, they get paid and uh, you get paid. Let me ask you this though, because you said in shape. Now, mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're looking for in shape, is that you go down to the pat the paddocks or whatever, and you look, or is this one where you see when's the last time they've raced, you know, like what, what does in shape mean? All right, so we're going to jump into that after a quick commercial break because that is an excellent question. When we come back, we're going to talk about being, horses being in shape and the workouts. We'll be right back with more Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Make sure to get down on the wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Bet $500 or more on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022. Get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries are allowed. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit winnbet.com. To get started, offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back to the Notorious OTV, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Before we before we left for a word from the sponsors, uh, Colby uh, presented a uh, a question, a little a little clear up on the vernacular. What what does it mean when a horse is in good shape? So. Do you think that it means that it like strolls around in like deep V-neck tees and never skips a leg day? Like what, what would you think? What would just your, you know, only hung out at Chucktown opinion. What do you think it means? I mean, well, I mean, first you would think, okay, is it, could you get trapped with the little Brad Pitt of the horse racing, you know, or some shit like that, but with the, v, the cum gutters. Uh, yeah. 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 But I, I, I mean, I would assume there's gotta be, I would uh, first, I, I'm assuming that you're looking at a history of like, okay, has this horse ran this amount of time, like the distance of this track or something similar recently, right? Sure. Yeah. So whenever we talk, uh, if a horse is in good shape for every horse, uh, they have published workout times that's been clocked by someone at the track. You can see every single workout back to however much space is in the, is on the sheet. And so whenever I'm looking through I want to see that a horse is consistently worked out that there's maybe some sort of pattern to it. Say they're working the horse every two weeks and then they race it and then they lay off of workouts for two weeks. Then he comes back and works out too and races again, always looking for patterns. Um, but really what I want to see with the workouts is that they're recently worked. 
so I can see that they actually care that they want this horse to do something instead of just, you know, eat fucking peppermints all day. And then I'm also looking to see uh, that the, the trainer isn't putting these workouts in at just like crazy different distances. Cause you know, they'll work out at say uh, the shortest is like three furlongs. They'll stretch it out all the way to like six furlongs. So I don't want to see like three, six, five, four, six, three. I, I want to see them have like a goal in mind. So been working consistently at a certain distance. Yes. Uh, that all makes sense. That all makes perfect sense to me. But mm-hmm. I, I got to ask you, and I know maybe I'm getting ahead of myself again here, but mm-hmm. have you ever had the urge like where you just knew this horse was a winner? Like I could, uh, I have a buddy that uh, was a ball boy for the Washington. I like to call them the bullets, but they, they, yes. some, some people call them the wizards these days. Um, that he was a ball boy and Michael Jordan was the, uh, the GM at one point or the team president. And, uh, he drafted Kwame Brown and there was a, a story he told me of Jordan just could not stand Kwame Brown's lack of work ethic. And he said, I saw Jordan who would come every day to practice and sit in the, the bleachers and basically go through like a 12 pack of beer. He said, I saw Jordan eight or nine beers deep, get so pissed off. He called out Kwame Brown and then beat him one-on-one and he hadn't practiced in a while. Right. So yep. is there ever a scenario where you like, man, that horse was that that's a badass horse. That horse has dominated before. I know he hasn't worked out in a while, but you're just going to you're going to trust that that brand or what? That's this is actually this is an excellent question. This is this is something that I, I actually really do want to touch on. And that is. I'm very I'm very steadfast on these these kind of principles, these these three things that a horse needs to win. But damn it, there are always exceptions to things. Um, for example, uh, there are horses that you'll see haven't uh, worked out in a long time, but they've been racing. They've been racing at a really regular pattern. That horse is being raced into shape. Or uh, I've seen something happen with the horse where it had trouble in its, in its last start. And maybe, you know, maybe it, it got like a little bruised up or something, or they decided to give it a little bit of time back. But based off of what I saw in that last race, I know if it has a has a clean trip this time, that it's got a chance. Uh, or just knowing what, uh, you know, certain trainers do. All these trainers typically have their own kind of pattern of how they how they do things and how these they work horses and when their horses, you know, fire. Uh, and so I can maybe see one where I, I hate how the workouts are spaced, but I see uh, the Steven Asmussen, the ass man power move where he's worked the horse at, you know, just a a really sharp clip. It's been really fast times. And then uh, the next the next workout's like four seconds slower. And it's just a little leg stretcher. That is the ass man power move. Write that down uh, in your Hello Kitty notebooks that uh, we forced you to buy at the bookstore. Uh, the take S man power move got it in. I got it in. Yeah. So I that's the there and there are all sorts of there are little angles like uh, horses who were eased last out where they just like quit and they had to come and get like the the van and van van the horse off the track for some reason the next race those horses always just like pop they'll they'll go from like finishing last by thirty lengths because they didn't technically finish to to winning so there's always there are always little bitty angles. Your handicapping game is like your golf bag. Doesn't make sense to hit driver every single every single time. Sometimes you got to pull out a little gap wedge, maybe uh you know a little Texas wedge, or I'm running out of wedges, or, or or a beer, or a beer, just a beer. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Uh, so that's that's kind of my my idea behind behind workouts is I have these things that I'm looking for. Uh, if I know things about the trainer, then I will uh, I'll make those changes. For you guys who are newer, like, well, how am I supposed to know these things about the trainer? Fucking put in the time, pay your dues. That's how you learn these things. This is how we all kind of kind of discover things, or or you know. And, and really, and really, like uh, I I can't stress that enough for anything. People will tell me I host a college football show, and they'll say. How did you know that Kansas was going to hit on the over last year? Well, I know about Lance Leopold, but uh, their head coach, and I had to put in the time from years before to knowing what he did at, at these other uh, stops where he was coaching. So it, regardless of what you're betting on, if you want to be, you know, kind of good at this, I feel like you you got to put in the time. There's no, there's not many shortcuts. Yes. You could just blindly pick the, the horse. I think that could win the race or at crazy odds and, you know, every once in a while that happens, but uh, I still think for you to consistently want to be making money, you got to put in the, the time and effort to know what the hell. And that, and that's putting in time, like listening to this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about horse racing, unless you're betting on, you know, on a offshore, you're betting actually overseas, it's paramutual wagering. You're, you're going to the track to take dollars out of somebody else's pocket and put them in to yours and because of that because you don't have these these set house odds the value on these things can be great and there's nothing better than finding just a diamond in the rough because you put in the work and you get insane value because you know the rest of the market didn't see it because you can look at every single person there and be like got you motherfucker i got your money in my pocket i got your money in my pocket i got your money in my pocket but yeah that's that's the idea behind workouts the last thing i'm going to throw in is uh when you're looking at these times uh i mean don't because until you learn what your trainers do what these patterns are don't put a ton of stock into the times first but just on average a good time for a workout is 12 seconds per furlong so if you're seeing a horse working 48 seconds over four furlongs it had a pretty good work um if you see something extraordinarily slow it might be time to to maybe take pause but that's the best way to kind of kind of set your baseline is all right, if it, this horse is working at a decent time, maybe it's, you know, you can tell that it's working faster or you can tell it's working slower based on that average of 12 seconds per furlong. Uh, did you know that there was going to be math in this? <laughs> I did not. I was not prepared for this. I haven't had, uh, I've only had one cup of coffee. Yeah, but it's coming out. Of, the coffee came out of a very fashionable uh, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising uh, album cover cup. So I just want to throw that out there. So you get bonus points because I'm drinking out of like a damn tomato tomato soup mug. Probably came with a spoon, like a jamoke. Uh, plug one needs to be the name of a horse race or a horse. Jeez, uh, a horse race. A horse. What? Say, say that again. Plug, plug one. one. Plug yeah, one. Uh, or, or plug two or plug three, you know, if, if you know the De La Soul references there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, I feel like we could get a horse named uh, plug three. We, maybe we should buy a horse, dude. I, I could name an entire stable after out of the references from the grind date. That shit. That was my shit right there. I know it's it's not your your old De La Soul. It's not the classic I, I, De La Soul. I, look, I loved, I, I loved grind date. It was the album after that that kind of lost me. But I, grind date to me was like, the last great De La album. So we're on pace. We're on pace here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they said in the grind date, uh, you know, my dad hates driving a bus, but he loves five kids. That's, Oh, uh, I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Pulling out. Yeah. So 
We've got one more major thing we're going to look at. I've done a terrible job of spacing out these ad reads, so we're going to hit that real quick. I will be right back with Colby, and then we're going to get into, uh, you know, a real shoot the hostage situation because we're going to be talking speed, my man. We're talking the Wildcat, Sandra Bullock, driving the bus. We're talking just not far out of Hooked on Phonics, Keanu Reeves, you know, controlling things. what Tommy Lee used to be addicted to. Yeah, that's right. That is what I'm. There we go. That's the CD underbelly. That's right. That's why we are the bad boys of horse racing. We'll be right back with a uh, word from your sponsors. Probably want you to like eat healthy or protect your uh, your internet privacy. So we'll be back to be bad boys. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, we're going to pick a player. We're going to pick the number of points they score in a game or how many hits they have in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and we can play together. We've got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun for us all to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com sgp did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy that's right without added security you might as well give away all your private data to hackers advertisers your isp and other prying eyes that's why i use ip vanish vpn to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet ip vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100 of your data this means that your private details passwords communications browsing history and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30 day money back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com SGP. Welcome back to... The notorious OTB. Look at we've almost we've almost made this through my my first teaching experience. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Look at us, man. I guess you're doing fine too. My mother was a teacher, mm-hmm. all right. And I'm telling you, you're doing fine. I'm. I feel like I'm learning, so I'm ready to uh, to go spend a lot of money at Santa Anita or uh, Del Mar this this over the next year. I'm getting. By experience. the way. I so talking about family, you said something earlier. I have no idea how I haven't, I didn't interrupt you uh, to tell you this, but uh, I have an uncle Buck. Oh, actually, 
he was Uncle Buck before Uncle Buck. I have an Uncle Buck. He was a traveling auto parts salesman. He's a scratch golfer, world champion barbecue chef. Yeah. Oh and man. He was. He. The only difference was he didn't put butter in his coffee. Like those are the only difference between him and him and John Candy at that point. So oh, shout out Uncle Buck. Great film, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's impressive right there. I mean just the fact traveling auto parts salesman, which is almost like John Candy's character in uh. He, I mean, he sold auto parts, I think, or he was applying for a job uh, yep. in Uncle Buck. But in planes, trains, and automobiles, he had the shower rings. You know, he was going for the shower rings. And see, now of, of his most recent thing that he's done is he was a, a representative for like a, a really cheap like tool line. So he was having he was carrying around like just cheap ass like tape measures and, and shit like that. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of just art imitating life at this point, really. Um, so. Colby. Do you think that a slow horse can beat not only one fast horse, but a whole field of fast horses? Just just gutting it out. Just being a real, you know, be, being a real like uh, Julian Edelman or like a or like a Wes Welker who owns horses, by the way. But just, you know, being a gritty gym rat who's really smart. You know, all of the, the things that announcers say about white football players. Do you think do you think there's a white football player horse that can just go out there? and overcome its lack of athleticism. I would guess in horse racing, no. Is so, would, that, would that be accurate? I'm curious your answer right now. I pretty, for the most part, no. Um, we're going to get into it where you have sometimes just extreme pace scenarios where it's just the right horse for the right time. Uh, I'm going to bring up a perfect example like Rich Strike. Uh, there, there are times where, uh a, a horse like that just everything can can fall right it didn't even look like it was fast enough to win but you know just the wind caught it it flew out of the clouds and broke broke out uh, messed up everybody's day but uh yeah so the horse has to be fast enough and the way that we gauge a horse's speed is don't worry folks like if you haven't looked through a a past performance before you don't you don't have to go and look at all the fractional times and try to come up with like a feet per second per second and try to, you know, do quantum physics. No, what's happening happened in the horse racing industry, uh, starting with uh, Andy Beyer, who was a writer for the Washington Post for a long time, a uh, serious handicapper, wrote a really good series of books on handicapping. He created uh, the first speed figure, the buyer speed figure. Uh, which takes into account uh, all sorts of things like variance as to how fast the track is playing, the track condition, how much uh, how much ground the horse saved and everything. And then it condenses it into a consistent number that's put on a scale that's you know comparable to every other horse that's in the race. So every time I'm going through and I'm evaluating each horse, what I'm looking for is to get an average buyer speed or whatever, you know, past performance speed figure. Uh, for the horse. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm only going to look for relevant races. So if the race was uh, on the dirt, I'm only going to look at dirt figures. Uh, if I think it's going to be uh, a muddy track that I'm only looking at dirty, you know, you know, dirt, muddy track uh, figures. Uh, and then I'm also looking at the comments because they're going to tell you there's going to be a really super weird set of abbreviations that tells you everything that happened in the race. But once you figure out what those comments mean, like what these abbreviations mean, you can kind of glean a lot of it. So uh, I might throw out uh, races where the horse had trouble, where it was bumped, where, you know, it had something going against it, where it couldn't run its best race. And so that number might be low, helps kind of smooth things out. 
And so I'm taking three of those figures. I'm coming up with the average for the horse. And then can, what I want to go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I ask a dumb question? How do you identify if the race was muddy? Because if you didn't watch it, how, how, how do you know that? So every past performance is going to give you the surface that it's on. And then it's also going to give you the condition that it was raced under. And it's under the, uh, these abbreviations. If you see on dirt FT, I was on a fast track. If you see GD, that was on a good track. Now, as you talk about these different conditions for tracks, it's all about the addition and subtraction of moisture. Uh, it's the good means it's a little bit wet. Muddy means it's wet. It's a little bit sticky. Sloppy means it's just like a, you know, just like a, uh, I'd say maybe like the, an early training montage from the film Wildcats where they're playing and, and, you know, the South side of Chicago and the field's just like a lake. That's, that's like a sloppy sort of, sort of condition. And so, uh, you know, I, I used to sell, used to sell wine, I used to work in the liquor industry. And you know, what used to sell just a shit ton of wine was telling people that I heard, heard one time in an NPR story that the English language doesn't have words like the French language does to describe how like wines taste and everything. So that's kind of how like track ratings are in the United States. Like if you go to Australia, go to, go to Europe, they have a bunch of different types of racing. It has to do with like how sturdy the ground is and things like that. Nope. We are, we are basic bitch. It's either wet, wetter, or really wet, or it's dry. And let me ask you this. Cause we, you know, at, at the SGPN studio, we get God's eye rock and, and we, you know, we always throw horse racing up on one of the TVs and it seems like some of these tracks are in, you know, Ireland or England where, but, how often it, are there are there races on the grass here in the states? Um, it depends on on the circuit that they're on. But uh, with New York, basically from I'd say late February, early March, all the way through uh, late November, you're you're gonna have races at the New York tracks on the on the turf. Uh, in Florida, you'll always have them on the turf because it's good for you know good for that. Uh, California, same thing. Uh, you know, my favorite track, Oakland, the one I live close to, we just have a dirt track, so there's not any turf racing. You'll see turf racing every single day that that racing is available as long as there's weeds for them to run through, basically. Well, and how do you identify that? It will just say turf next to it, like the race? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you'll see, uh, it basically, it's just like a, they, they do it. They might do it different on some of the past performances, but I'm making sure I'm, I'm thinking of this correctly. <laughs> Would there be certain tracks like I know with, with, you know, football or something? I don't know. Like there's certain uh, where like, let's say Heinz field, the the grass is taller. So it's a sl like, you know, the, the game, if you're a fast football team, you're going to be playing kind of slow because of how tall the grass is. Um, is there, is there situations like that, it, that, that apply in this and with this, with turf? I'm so proud of you because I can tell your handicapping mind has taken off. And you started from a pretty, pretty low bar. This is the greatest comeback since Lazarus. <laughs> so what you're talking about is uh, track bias. Uh, it's something that I pay, I play uh, a lot of, you know, pay a lot of attention to. It, it can kind of shape my opinion on a race. Uh, and yeah, every track kind of has its own different thing. Whereas like maybe that. They grew it out at, at, at Heinz Fields to, to slow down the speed of another team. Well, they don't do it to specifically do anything. There's there's not a conniving groundskeeper Willie out there that's just like, I I'm not, there's no there's no way it's all pink on the inside wins this race because I grew it grew it out. There's no way it's happening. Um, now nah, you don't you don't see that, but you do see the 
the changes in the track is they they just doctor it for like general maintenance or if it's like rained and it's gotten softer and things like that uh my favorite unofficial banking holiday is when the turf track at saratoga gets super dry because it turns into concrete and speed can just cruise out on the front end that's something we might actually probably put an entire episode into because i feel like it's such just like a fundamental thing that people don't don't consider some people don't believe it's fucking real ladies and gentlemen simple minds and so it's something worth paying attention to. We will definitely get into it into a later episode. But that, yeah, that was an excellent question. I feel like Coco, the gorilla's trainers, after they've spent so much time trying to teach her sign language, and then she was just like, signed out banana. That, that was Colby signing banana to me. Very good. Very good, Coco. You're going to want to punch me in the face next time we, we get together. <laughs> no, dude, I I legit wanted to know these things forever because I was like, I, I don't follow it that closely. So, like, I know in other sports, what, whatever it is, you know, like you kind of have this inside track. Oh, they're not going to win at Lambeau. It's going to be, you know, I think I remember like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they were in the uh, NFC Central used to have the uh used to have they were like one in 34 playing in like 10 degrees or below and they had to play chicago and green bay every year so it's like uh, i'm gonna bet on chicago and green bay every time <laughs> right right yeah there's a and some tracks have just like a, a really consistent bias it's like it, it's it's like okay this is what this track does uh there's there's uh, the fabled like golden rail of Pimlico, where the rail was always always seemed to be good at Pimlico. Uh, there was a track, uh, there's a track called Turfway Park in Kentucky, where it's like the outside posts always used to just absolutely kill before they changed the surface. Like I've been paid out on crazy pick threes where only hit like two of three legs at Turfway because just like insane shit happened where these outside horses at massive prices kept winning because the bias just worked. But uh what were we talking about? I blacked out there for a second. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to know about surface conditions. I kind of took us on this tangent, but I'm very, uh, very intrigued to learn oh, more about this. Why is there a pee on your hat? Are you Doc Ellis? Am I on acid right now? <laughs> no, I, well, I'm right back there with you. So what we were talking about was finding an average speed for, for each of the horse. You find the right surface. You find the right track condition. You find races that don't have trouble. You take three of the most recent speed figures. You come up with an average for the horse. Now, here's the tricky step. Once you have an average for each of the horses, you take the average of all the horses to come up with the average speed for the field. And so what I will do is once I have an average speed of the field, I'll look and I'll say, okay, this horse can't keep up with the average speed of the field. This one can. So that one that can gets the check. You know, the, the final like box, like, okay, this, this horse is fit. It's racing against the right competition, and I know that it's fast enough, so I will con consider this whenever I get into my more in-depth uh, handicapping. And what I think the advantage of this is, is that just the way math works, you're going to at least be able to toss half the horses through, you know, through on, the, on the first pass. And you stay really robotic and mechanical checking for these three things, because what it does is it just, you, you can go into autopilot, and it frees your mind up for the like creative thought that you need later to figure out which one of these beasts of burden is going to be taken to the circled enclosure where they keep the flowers and the third wives. That's right. The winner circle. <laughs> I so, like that. Yeah, man. It's so I, it, it's pretty basic though, the way that I take my first pass through and it's those, those three things It's class it's workouts, it's speed. 
there there's all sorts of things that uh that I can use to to drill down further into it. But if a horse, those are the things that I've decided a horse has to have to win. Now you might be listening, you might not agree to me, you might th- say, well, it's the it's like uh it's like old Pick Dundee here said, and it's the the jockey and I don't know, like uh, the lunar cycle. I don't, I can't remember what a crazy. I'll be, I'll, said. I'll be honest. I have an aunt that just picks off the name. There you go. So and she probably does better than all of us. <laughs> right. Some people call it an ROI. I call it a wah. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it happens. I've seen it happen a lot. Just pick, pick by names. You, you get uh beat and then you go just like crazy, crazy tilt off of it. But yeah, those, that's it, man. That's that's first lesson. What do you think? How's it I feel? like this. I'm telling you, I, I I'm excited uh, to continue to learn, and I'm excited to uh, to I, I'll put it like this. I'm, I'll be at the SGPN studio later today. You better believe we'll have it on some horse racing, some ponies, and and uh, maybe I'll start wagering one by one as I continue to grow. You know, because this is important. This is like me learning. It's like if you just jump into college football or something. Well, you know, Alabama's good. All right, well, that's like the Kentucky Derby, I feel like. Whereas, like, yeah. I want to know about these other races, like Oaklawn. I didn't, I had to, when I first met Chase, I had to Google what the hell Oaklawn was. I thought it was a Harvey Keitel movie. You yeah, know, no, and it's, it's a real gangster ass neighborhood in Chicago, is what that is. <laughs> See, that's- exactly. There we go. <laughs> as far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> that's a holdover from the AUDL show. Yeah. Um, Man, and I'll tell you what, I'm kind of scared of giving Kramer picks now because, like, there have been times where I'm like, all right, I really like this long shot. You should bet it to win. And then it's like the long shot, like, finishes third. You know, you can make a profit betting it to show. He's like, well, I just lost uh, $2,000 betting that horse to win that you told me it was going to. And it's like, oh, so Kramer hates me right now. That's what's up. Well, what's hilarious is he probably doesn't even hate you, but he probably does wager that amount. I've I've witnessed it. You know, I go to Vegas with that guy and yeah. I mean, I'm a broke comic. This guy, you know, he worked at some better, he had some better paying jobs than myself. So he's like, yeah, come play craps with me, Colby. And then I'll see him throw down like five G's. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let me, uh, let me uh, go get a smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yes>. know, <laughs> so I would take, take out a marker just to, to bet the don't pass line every <laughs> single time that he shoots, like put your life on casino credit just to throw that shade at, at Kramer. What, what do you think? It sounds like a plan. Yeah, I I, I think, hey, next time, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to come out in September. Week one of the NFL will be there. We can, we can put together this plan. And also, they still got the track in, in, in Vegas, right? Uh, I mean, they've got the they've got the race books. I think the closest uh, track is in uh, is Arizona. Um, they like used a- to have one in Vegas. The reason why I know this is my one of my best friends uh went to it and actually met mel brooks there that's fucking awesome yeah more so, of this story please yes uh i i i i don't know what the didn't they what was the name of that track they used to have a track there i swear i think oh, it was, I, I'm, was I'm googling i'm okay. googling this is before my if if, if 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 i'm messing this up there's a chance then it then, then it could be golden gate park but um i i'm pretty sure it was vegas uh, where where my buddy had this experience. The Las Vegas Park Speedway was a horse and automobile racing facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. It doesn't seem like those two should mix. Like maybe <laughs> probably shouldn't race those guys against each other. 
Yes, but that he met Mel Brooks there. So I mean, I, shit, I need to go back there, even if it's not even a, an active racetrack. I'm just gonna go there and drink. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Is my favorite thing that Mel Brooks did, I think Richard Pryor wrote pretty much all of it with uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, like it, almost almost every line, you you're like, oh yeah, well that was that was Richard Pryor. That was. It's terrible that it, you couldn't make that movie today, man. It's terrible. There's a you know there is no way in hell you could you could make that movie, uh man. So, let me kind of lay out where we're gonna go with this with the you know turning Colby Dan into a gentleman. Uh, me being his uh, wealthy benefactor. We're that's right. We're great expectationing him. He's our pip. Uh, he's really shown us the Dick Enzian element. Uh, but whenever we come back, we are going to talk about uh the pace of horse racing. Uh, and then when I say come back in a week or a couple of weeks, uh, we're talking, we're going to talk about the pace of a race. Uh, Colby, if I were to tell you that Alabama, Ohio state, Notre Dame, um, Savannah state, the university of North Texas are all playing a football game on one field against everyone else. You would say this is absolute chaos, right? A hundred percent, man. A hundred, yeah. but, but give me Alabama. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. No. Uh, Saban uh, in multi-team single field games uh, is I believe undefeated uh, and also against the spread undefeated. Uh, so a little, little gem for you guys. If you ever find yourself in that situation, but it's confusing. It's chaos. These animals are pack animals. There's the way that they fall into line and follow a leader is a, I mean, there's a little bit of biology to it. And the way that we figure out kind of, you know, the first clue as to who's going to win these races after we decide who can win is pace. Pace makes the race. And so we're going to talk about kind of race shapes and everything. We'll get all into that. Uh, yeah, man, I think that's all I got. Yes. And look, I, I, appreciate you. I came in, came out hot with a strong outline. And I think you could tell I ran out of gas at like two o'clock in the morning or it's just like, and, and scene. Is how oh, I'm man. This. All right, man. Look, and I appreciate you walking me through this, and I hope the listeners will be able to relate to me because I'm sure that there, there are people like me. Maybe they're a little bit smarter, but uh, they'll be able to say, hey, I've been wondering about this. And then, you know, maybe now they could I don't know if it's after this episode or perhaps after the next one when when we talk pace, but they'll be able to really understand what horse racing is because this is a, not only a national pastime, uh, it's just a great sport. It's one of these things you can count on when COVID hit, when COVID hit, it didn't take away the, the, the races. All right. We had what Korean baseball and we had horse racing. Yep. So just need, yes. a zombie apocalypse. You got to know what, what's going on here. The horses will still be running. That's true. With or without us, the horse, the horses will still be running. You knew shit got dystopian whenever they were talking about Will Rogers downs, in Oklahoma <laughs> during like when you should have been talking about any other major sporting event. So, uh, you know, I think that's how a lot of people got introducing introduced back into horse race. Let's, let's retain some of these folks. Let's get some new blood in here uh, because you know, we're old and crotchety and a lot of us are dying and we have to go and seek out weirdos on the internet to teach us how to play this game. Typically, let me be your weirdo on the internet folks. Also, I don't ever want to hear you say that you're not smart enough for something, especially when you are dressed like the kid on the movie about a child's baseball team who's super into computers right now. <laughs> like yeah. you're one, you're building the erector set. Show, to get the ball man. Look, that's all the show. I'm smart enough to know that I don't know. So I just try to 
try to, you know, go out. These glasses aren't even prescription. I just put them on to look smart. A lot of game. A lot of hustle, man. Fake it till you make it. All right, guys, that is it for the Tilted. Oh, wrong pod. That is it for the Notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm going to be back later this week. I got J.D. Fox joining me. We're going to take a look at the Stephen F. Foster card uh, this week, this weekend at Churchill Downs. If you like racing under the lights and you like good racing under the lights, this is the best card of the year, the best Twilight card. And it's only a matter of time until we get into Saratoga and Del Mar. And I am just at peace with life. So I'm going to leave everybody on this zen-like note and say goodbye until next time until i'm back with jd fox to handicap that card uh colby uh you got you passed but barely but barely degrees. story of my life but i will subscribe also to the tilted land shark podcast yeah yeah that's uh i you know i've never been a horse but i've been an ultimate frisbee player so that's uh that will give you some well there was that one time I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk. It was Tijuana. It was a different time. That's it. We are out. Thanks very much to Colby. Thanks to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We will catch you later this week.